We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Saturday afternoon. Uh, didn't do a podcast after last night's game, but I do have Britt Robson here uh, to discuss. Honestly, one of the best basketball games I feel like I've watched in person last night's uh, Nuggets Wolves game in Denver that the Wolves came out on top. Obviously, again, I got Britt here. We'll we'll go through um, the game and what that game looked like. Britt, you also wrote a column on on Friday morning that came out that kind of hits on on the end of the season. And we'll get it. We'll get into whatever else we get into uh, on top of that. But man, we just got to start talking about that game last night. It was uh, the atmosphere in Denver was was really incredible. Wolves fans and Nuggets fans, and then the basketball game was great. Carl and Jokic. Really incredible. What 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 was the thing that that stood out to you most from last night's game? Well, I really liked the sways. I liked the uh, you know the people would call them runs, but they really felt like uh, like tilts or counter punches or something. I mean, it was yeah. uh, it, it it. What was interesting was that the Wolves very rarely were the answering back team. They were mostly the the forging ahead again team. So. Uh, it Dictating for, is what Finch called it. Yeah, it made for an interesting dynamic because um, Denver did get a lead. You know, I obviously saw the game on, on television, so I had the commentary. And, and when they went ahead, like it was either, I think it was late in the third or early in the fourth, Ben said, this is the first Denver lead since nine to seven in the first quarter. So mm-hmm. it had been like two and a half, three quarters of, of lead. And then they did get a brief lead and you began to think, you know, oh, here we go. But Well, you remember, Britt, like before that lead, so I think the lead was like something like when Denver got it was like 84 to 83 or something. Exactly. And then they kind of traded that way until the late 80s. Right. Yeah. But it kind of started. I remember I had it down in my notes. Uh, remember when Beverly missed that layup, or no, no, Vando missed the, the layup, double, and then the double layup misses. Yeah, uh, Beverly yeah. got a steal, fed to Vando, who missed it. Beverly followed up and missed it as well. Right, and that was uh, that was at seventy nine, seventy one. Wolves should have been eighty one, seventy one. Right, 
end. And it was like right from there. I think that... Morris came down and hit a three or something right after that. And one. Yep. And yeah. one. And then okay. he hit another three after that. And it, and so it starts going through my head after we've had this Boston and Toronto game just recently. Right. I mean, that's what happened in the Toronto game. Right. Almost exactly um, at the second, third quarter kind of run there. And, and that's honestly a weakness of this Wolves team is like sometimes they're going, going, going. And then the bottom just kind of like randomly right. falls out after one play. And I thought I was concerned about that, but then, you know, they did, they did rebound um, from that. I think Denver took a one point lead. Right. And I don't right, think it ever right, got any right. higher than that. Yep. And what, even before then though, I mean, when I said the Wolves keep forging ahead after Denver answered back, it was incredibly ominous because of cat's foul trouble. You oh. just assumed that they were going to get wiped in those non-cat minutes, especially I think he sat for like two thirds of the third quarter, which is a gutsy move under the circumstances. At the same time, what's your choice, you know? And thank God for Boogie Cousins is all I got to say. I mean, you know, if anybody handed that game to anybody on a silver platter, it was Cousins. But okay, but I was thinking about it too. Uh, or actually, John said it to me during the game. He goes, actually, the Boogie Cousins foul trouble might be the worst thing that happened because if he wouldn't have got in foul trouble, then, he, then you know, Jokic would have sat like 10 more minutes in that game. I mean, obviously, the Bulls ended up winning and taking care of business, but it felt like any minute that Boogie was on the floor was like a plus three for the Wolves. Exactly. But at the same time, you know how coaches are. Um, yeah. You know, when you ask Finch, did you want to put him in the game at this time or Mm-hmm. Very rarely, if at all possible, coaches stick to their minutes plan, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and Boogie Cousins was going to get his eight to 10 minutes. He's the Nas Reed right now of that team. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was in foul trouble, I think, did complicate the whole thing, because let's face it, Jokic is really pulling a heavy sled right now. I mean, what, who's the second best player on that team? Well, last night it was Aaron Gordon for a change, but there really isn't a great <laughs> second player, you know? So, Bones. so you know, that's a lot of weight for somebody to pull. And Jokic happens to play a guy that is the opposite of intimidated by him. I mean, Cat very rarely has the edge on any quality big man. Um, I mean, if you go down the list, uh, but for whatever reason, he's always felt like, hey, I am better than this guy. And Jokic usually beats him up on the stat sheet because that's what Jokic does. He stuffs the stat sheet. But Cat gives Jokic all he can handle. And Jokic has got him in mind all the time when they're on the court together. It really is. Even more than a Denver-Minnesota rivalry, it is a Cat-Jokic rivalry. And, yes. And what's crazy about that is, and Cat, you know, not to discount the, the, the usual array of stupid fouls and bad turnovers that Cat makes, but he is mentally stronger against Jokic than he is against most quality big men. And that's You a, know what a good example is, Britt? Remember the, the preseason game? in Denver this year, preseason, those two guys were going at it. Like if you go back and watch, like it was the, it was the same thing, you know? I mean, they, you are a hundred percent correct that I actually, I mean, maybe Gobert, but Gobert doesn't really guard cat. Like, I don't think he has more for anybody in the league or like 
really wants to beat a guy. And also thinks he can. Deep down, if you yeah. said to Cat, you know, um, are you going to beat Rudy Gobert tonight? He might say yes. And if you, you gave him a lie detector test, I think it would be a toss-up as to whether or not he really believes that. If you said, you, are you going to beat Denver and Jokic tonight? And he said yes. Well, I detect the test and say he's not lying, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, he, and so it is wonderful that um, there is a rivalry where Cat is an alpha psycholo- psychology guy. You know, there was a play. Did you see that little smile on Jokic's face when he baited a foul at one point in time? It was just like this really kind of a. Super silly, super silly is uh, eh, gotcha, you know, kind of thing. They they just it's a it's a it's a great rivalry because no reasonable person would say that Cat is better than Jokic. Let's face it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like my odds against Jokic's team with Cat on my side uh, because at the very least he takes enough out of this Nuggets trump card to expose the rest of the team. And, you know, and, and, and that makes for some great games. Well, and the exposure to the rest of the team is huge. And I think one of the determining factors, because I don't know if we can give, if you want to say it was a 10 out of 10 from Kat and Jokic, which maybe Kat, it was like a, a nine and a half out of 10 because of the foul trouble, but really stellar performances from, from great. The two of the centers. Right. But, it was, you know, the the surrounding cast and 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 cats surrounding group, you know, showed up in right. in different waves. D'Lo with twenty two in the first half, Ant with fourteen in the fourth quarter. I thought all of the bench guys actually delivered at times. Maybe not for every one of their minutes. I thought Malik Beasley had huge threes in the second half. Torian Prince, which I want to talk about later, because I think. This is going to be the lineup we see closing for Crunch the Wolves. time in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm. I think I'm at. I mean, I've, I've said been saying that to you kind of for a couple weeks. Where I know. I've been getting the sense that Finch well, is getting there. So just everybody contributed around Cat. I wanted to note that yeah, too. And I agree with that. I think that uh, what we have is some fascinating dynamics. Um, I mean, you talk about uh, Prince and. Vando, and even more ridiculous but possible is J Mac and D'Lo. Uh, Chris Finch. That might loves, be an off-season conversation. <laughs> Chris Finch loves J Mac on the floor, though he loves him, and J Mac got a lot of cool time in that. Talk about lie detector. Court. Talk about lie detector. Favorite player on the team. I think, well, except I think only if McDaniels is still on the <laughs> IL, you know? Yeah. He uh, loves all the mix. He loves all the mix. Yeah, that's right. But what is crazy about that, and I know we're jumping around here all of a sudden. I don't but, care. But um, J-Mac, when he gets switched down on bigs, does some cool stuff. He blocks shots from these guys who are like six inches taller than him, and he forces turnovers. It's like – he. If, uh, you know, the, the idea, of course, is to hide D'Lo on somebody. If you hide him on a guy and you happen to get switched into, you know, 
And they play the same kind of defense, obviously, with J-Mac in that. And all of a sudden, you find J-Mac, like, guarding a big in the post. J-Mac's done he, some fabulous work down there. <laughs> he had, like, a literally out of possession. I'm like, uh-oh, J-Mac's on Jokic. <laughs> John, John, J-Mac's on Jokic. And it was, like, six seconds. I'm like, get him out of there. Anyone, anyone, switch. At the same go. time. J-Mac is totally consumed with how he's going to win that matchup. You could just watch him. I mean, he's a pretty smart Put his guy anyway. shoulder into like his <laughs> knee pit. <laughs> well, who did uh, he block the shot on either Toronto or Boston down in the yep. low block, uh, you know, the other day. And I think he's had like two blocks in the last two games guarding like power mm-hmm. forwards and, uh, <laughs> And so, well, and Brit, he made all his threes last night too. Cause the one thing that's been going against Jamie, right? I yeah. know, but he's shooting like he's shooting like twenty five percent on the exactly. season on yeah. even catch and shoot threes. You yep. know, yep. So, so the so the three point shooting hasn't been there for him, and I don't know if you can bank on that to come. But that he has been a positive contributing player for you know three months now without being able to hit a shot for the most right, part. Right. I mean, that, that is a, that's a really, you know, high compliment. And also when you're five, nine guarding a seven footer. <laughs> and a, what's crazy is, I mean, let's face it. What Chris Finch, it's almost like, uh, he's the guy that is impatient with a team that doesn't get right to it when they have the possession. And he does not like the dawdle up the court. It just, it irks him. You could tell it just pisses him off. And um, J-Mac flies. I mean, that's one of the reasons actually Rubio was interesting last year, even though he couldn't play, is he also is a guy that gets people into the offense quickly. And Fitch really likes that. Uh, D'Lo is not by nature... Uh, get the people into the offense quickly. Now, what D'Lo can do sometimes is notice when somebody is open yes. and throw mm-hmm. that secondary outlet. You know, he'll get the pass from Cat and then basically mm-hmm. wipe out the court with about a 45-foot pass. Um, but he's not a guy who – you know, you, the enduring image of D'Lo is not getting the ball spinning and sprinting up the court on the dribble. That's just not his game. And that's J-Mac. It's J-Mac. And, and – J Mac will keep going until it doesn't make any sense to go anymore, and then he will do something immediately. He won't stop and look around. That he just mm-hmm. doesn't do that, and that's Finch's music. I mean, Finch, get over the half court line, look at what you got, and get rid of the ball. Start the the ball movement and the movement without the ball. And so, um, and that, quite frankly, what what's great about that now is that that works with the second unit because the second unit is a giddy up unit, and um, you know you've got all those Iowa Wolves connections. I mean, it was so much fun last night to see uh, Nas feed Bando on a dunk and one a baseline <laughs> dunk. You know, right. just it's uh, they've got the second unit has got a little of that years together cooking and that just how many second units is that true you know i mean right. maybe you know teams that make the playoffs year after year and don't monkey with the roster much but uh for a team that has been a chronically bad team to have three guys that have pretty much played a lot of time together for three straight years uh right. is a is a benefit 
Uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know how much the benches will shorten in the playoffs and whether we'll see all of those guys for extended time. But if we get Nas and J-Mac and Jalen Noel, who didn't play last night, and appropriately so, it really worked out without him. Um, but, I mean, and if Vando happens to slip down there because Prince is getting above minutes with the starters, um, you've got something you could cook with there a little bit. So, you know, that'll be fun, too. Yeah, and I want to say with like the the Vando part of it, the Vando and, and Torian Prince part of it is they're both important. Like they're, Vando they're, they're both needed important. the guard in that cat absence. I mean, I think one of the reasons Prince closed last night was because Vando did the cat and foul trouble heavy lifting yeah. on on Jokic. Mm-hmm. But not not to say. I mean, I take your point that um, two things happen. One is that. Uh, Prince is obviously a better shooter and a better floor spacer. And the second thing is he has a much better sense of perspective about the game while the game's going on. Vando has one speed and he's going at speed and he's trying to impact the game, but he isn't ever really cognizant of what is happening in the game. He's just busy trying to exert his force. on Unless the he's passing when he is when he's but passing, even when he he's passing, he's yeah. the reason he's passing is because he's run like a bat out of hell and has somehow <laughs> yeah. gotten the ball, you know. Right. And now, you know, I've got to get rid of it. I got to do something. Um, mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, I don't think um, Torian Prince will come in the game and he came in last night and hit a three like three seconds after he stepped on the court. Well, you know, he looked at the sideline and saw how Denver was defensing certain things and knew that shot would be there. I mean, yeah, you you know, that's a veteran, and and well, shit, dude, it's the same defensive scheme. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I was like, why is it? it took like the whole first quarter for the Wolves? I was like, yo, do the thing that other teams kill you with: hit the big on the short roll, and then you got Prince or Beasley in one of the corners. Like, it's the same defense. It's right, they right. made the, the Wolves mirror their defense, and they did get to that. And both Cat and Nas on the short roll were good there, eventually, and. Right. And the the shooters were were spotted up on on the perimeter around them, and that ping ping ping. I it's funny. I didn't realize that Cat had zero assists in the game. I just whatever didn't notice it on the stat sheet. Right. And so I asked him a question after the game about you know a good mix of I heard effectively it, right. scoring and effectively passing because that I think he did effectively pass. Right. He did. Because now when you're in that short roll spot, it's going to oftentimes be a hockey assist or something right, like that. Exactly. Or you get the ball moving go. But I don't know. I honestly think it was one of Cat's best passing games of the whole season, and he had zero assists, which I, that could be true. And you know why? Because he got rid of it quickly. Yep. And so when you get rid of it quickly, you're far less likely to get the assist unless you're hitting a streaking open man. But what you're doing is you're accelerating ball movement, which is the whole purpose of this. You know, Mm. Finch wants the ball to move um, whether or not, um, you know, somebody's going to get an assist. But even if you're two back of that, you know, Beasley does that some too. Uh, Mm. Beasley gets a lot of like uh, moving the ball along. He's gotten a better sense of things since he's begun to be hot uh, with his shot, which is now like two and a half months old. he passes more likely. It's a it's a weird identity yeah. thing. When he was not hitting a shot, he was desperate to get in a rhythm and would take those shots anyway, which is why everybody hated That's a good point. in that first <laughs> month and a half, you know? 
But uh, it does feel like now Beasley gets those hockey assists and Prince has always been good at it when he's not in ball hog mode. And Prince is always also good, maybe the best at it besides D'Lo and Cat, obviously, of the up fake drive. Uh, Prince is pretty good at that, too. And that's well, that's a huge part of it, man. That that's a huge part of it too. We, we're talking about the spacing, but part of spacing is being able to attack a closeout too, you know. Yeah. And and Prince, I, I remember the the I think it was the first time we did a pod after they traded for for Tori and Prince, and I just like I watched a I watched his like uh, Cavs clips from last year, uh-huh. and I think I said to you, I was like, you know, he sometimes passes up on the three a little bit too often to try and uh, attack with the closeout, and I was like. I think in Minnesota, um, you know, it'd be better if you leaned, kind of beasley it, right? Like, right. have a higher percentage of your shots be threes than you ever have before. But I think where I was wrong there is last year, Torian Prince was slower because he was still coming back right. from that ankle. And I think we've precipitously seen Torian Prince get faster over the... the and and then it's even made that a world step. of difference. Made a world yeah. of difference. Mm-hmm. And so come the playoff time, like... You have to bump Cat's usage up. That mm-hmm. will happen. Right. Um, no matter how who you're surrounding him. If will let him, you know? Yeah. But in, like, per possession, his his average touch, whatever, all the usage needs to go up. Right. And it will be better usage. The shots will be cleaner. The passes will be cleaner. He'll have more room to work in the possessions where Torian Prince is, is the four around him. Now, he still needs Vando at times, too, and they got to figure out how to survive that when they got to survive that offensively. But because Cat's usage is going to necessarily go up in the playoffs, you need to have more spacing around him. You can't have a quarter, six, eight minutes where you get broken by the Vando ignored thing. And I mean, that's what totally changed. Jokic was just chilling in the paint and then Torian Prince got into the corner and he can't do that anymore. I would agree with everything you just said. And I think it's perceptive. The only caveat I would make is that Cat has to hit those shots because that's the end of the possession if he misses. One of the things that the Wolves have had an advantage is, is Vando does extend possessions with offensive rebounding. Prince will not give you that. He will try to give you that. But one of the things you like about Prince is that he is a floor spacer who kind of stays put and therefore, uh, you know, he's a catch and shoot guy when someone else is shooting, he's available uh, on the perimeter. But that means that Cat has to utilize that space uh, in order to beat his man and score the bucket, finish. He needs to finish. And if Cat is, is shot isn't on, then it's almost as good to have Vando around just to extend those possessions. Or who knows, if McDaniels is back, you know, then that would be a really interesting idea depending on the matchups. Now, the Clippers and the Pels, both of those are big teams. And so yeah. uh, less likely that that Jaden can be the four. But, mm-hmm. um, it, but it, I'm feeling more comfortable defensively with Prince at the four over the course of the season. I, I understand what you're saying. And I think a lot of it does have to do with the fact that poise is so important. The more we're watching these meaningful games in April, I mean, Pat Bev, you can almost see him 
turning this yacht of uncertainty around, you know, I mean, just basically, you know, just just grabbing the wheel and jumping on it with all his might to this one thing. And then, you know, making some kind of outlandish play that, you know, changes the tenor of it. Sometimes I think he just fucks with people on the other team just to have people get excited about the game again and get into it rather than I think that works exactly (laughs) worrying about their next mistake you know yeah uh you know I mean so he's got that kind of poise Hmm. Prince's kind of poise Prince gets in almost as many jarring matches as uh Pat Bev does Prince has got a mean streak and so but at the same time you know he he's kind of he's one of those guys that's uh He's a banger. He understands what this team needs. He's a veteran. He's a, he seems to be a really smart guy. I mean, very intelligent guy. And so I think he understands where he is weak and where he is strong. And I think he understands that poise and motivation in that order are what he gives the second unit. And um, if that happens to need to be accrued to the starters because it's a shorter rotation, I don't. Th- I think that's nothing but good. I think that again, the the interesting thing is going to be how the big three handle the crucible of right. you know not necessarily well it will be win and go home or go home in the play in, but um, in in the in the series, you know, if they can get the Grizzlies as opposed to the Suns. Um, you know, we we might see some really interesting basketball. Although <laughs> Memphis Memphis has got some amazing some amazing mojo right now. I mean, I know my my uh, my Memphis is the best matchup take. <laughs> <laughs> well, this I mean, is losing Steve. But part of that is just things get you know things change. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. That, you, you weren't totally. I mean, I understood the. I'm argument. not totally off it. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not totally right. off. Let, actually, right. let's let's mix in a break here, and I want to talk right. about. Before we get to your column, I want to talk sure. about this this play because it kind of extends to Denver, right? Like, there's still some chance of this six seed, and we're getting a little bit more clarity of what the play in, you know, might might sure. look like. Sure. It, it, the conversation is getting a little less hypothetical. Right. Let's take a break here, and we'll come back in in a minute. Today's show is brought to you by Twenty by Twenty Solutions. As I mentioned before, Twenty by Twenty Solutions is a Minneapolis-based consultancy that works with growing organizations to create and sustain success. Whether it's technology, workflow, platform architecture, or more, they'll help you build a strategy that fits your goal and execute a plan that fits your resources. This basketball season, 20 by 20 has partnered with Begin Anew, a Minnesota-based nonprofit focused on helping people in their journeys to recover from addiction, providing support and conversation to people throughout the process of recovery. 20 by 20 is sponsoring a donation campaign through the ScoreSide platform where you can tie your giving automatically to every rebound the Timberwolves grab this season. Go to 20by20solutions.com slash begin. That's 20x20solutions.com slash begin to install the ScoreSide app and look for the Rebounds for Recovery campaign and join the campaign. Support your team and your community with every board for the rest of the season. 20x20solutions.com slash begin. 20 by 20 solutions, your sixth man on a winning team. All right. We are back with Britt Robson of Min Post to discuss um, Friday night's win in Denver uh, over the Nuggets. What is it? Is it four games left in the season now, Britt? Yep. 
four games left in the season, uh, two behind the Nuggets in the loss column. The uh, the play-in picture is starting to take a little bit more shape as to who the teams would be that the Wolves would match up, who would be on those teams, players coming back. Right. Um, are you are you still are you are you looking at it more through the lens of the plan right now? Are you still opening your mind up at all to to the sixth seed or what are what are these last four in terms of playoff implications in your mind? I think the chances of the sixth seed are about 15%. Mm-hmm. I think they're very slim. Um Denver has to win two or four if the wolves sweep. Yeah. You know, well, actually that's yeah. not true. Uh, because the Wolves have the tiebreaker. Denver has to win uh, three if the Wolves sweep. Now, you know, Washington is a weird game, man. Washington is playing very well all of a sudden. Um, mm-hmm. um, and so... Chris Stapps, baby. Chris Stapps, I know. Who knows, man? <laughs> Anybody who can figure out Chris Stapps, you know, let me know. But uh, they do have, I mean, and and Chicago will probably be playing for something, maybe home court advantage, maybe uh, avoiding a much better team in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm pretty confident they'll be playing for something. And that's a confident group with De, with DeRozan. Uh, so that'll be a tough game. Um, Houston, they obviously. They kind of stink recently, man. What, you, you mean? Oh, the Bulls? You know, they, they won a game. Uh, uh, DeRozan had 50 against somebody, and they won a really close game against a good team. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, that uh, that's what happens when they win. <laughs> Doesn't happen every game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. it, it's just, I, I guess my broader point is uh, they the should schedule's lightening up a lot. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, this is, this is getting yeah. a lot easier. Yeah, well, I mean, and who knows about the Spurs, you know? I mean, it may be the mm-hmm. Lakers will make it academic for the Spurs, and the Spurs will coast in. Um, but I do but think... Cap put 60 on the, the Spurs. I know. Full I health. Know. I hey. mean... I totally understand all that. I just think four and zero is possible. That's all I'm saying. Like that's this isn't like a oh well maybe they'll go four and zero. Like right. it, I don't know. I don't want to say it's fifty fifty that they do, but it it's up there. Uh I I don't. The only Dregs team they're playing is Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, after that, you do have Washington, uh, the Spurs, and Chicago. Um. Who knows? But I mean, I, I, I think put it this way. It, it will be fascinating. It'll be fascinating yeah. if they manage to beat those teams. It does look like Utah is out of reach. It's going to have to be the Nuggets because they don't have the tie, tie break. Yeah. And Utah's, you know, got some also some patsies on its schedule. I think Denver also plays some some teams that aren't very good, though. Um, it's they play the Lakers twice, I think, in their last. Ooh, I'll four. tell you, that's, that's <laughs> which is I'm not claiming that's a good team, but just no, it's no, a team no, no. That's, it's kind of fascinating. I mean, with Anthony Davis yeah. back, uh, yeah. Anthony Davis and Aaron Gordon. I, th- I imagine Davis will play Jokic, and that means mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon on LeBron. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but it's the the Lakers are so diseased right now. I mean, yeah. God, I think so, with the, with the play in Brit, like to. To step away from the the six seed thing, which I, right. I am getting at 15, 20%. I, I think that's that feels feels right to me. I think with the play in, like there's two 
there's two steps to look at it of like you just got you got to win one of the two games you know to to make the playoffs which is ultimately the goal but the goal has to be winning the first play-in game i couldn't agree more it's just like that because if you if you lose the first play-in game and then you beat the spurs or pelicans or lakers whoever it is in the second play-in game then you're the eighth seed and you're playing the Suns. I wouldn't even go that far. I would say that nobody gets in Cat's head like Jonas Valanciunas. And I think that on top of everything else, you've got a winner go home, epic collapse game. Pelicans come in, nothing to lose. Everybody thought they were washed when Zion couldn't play. They got CJ. I mean, I've seen a, yeah. last, a few of their games recently. Willie Green has done a great job with them. Um, they've got outside shooting. They got Graham. They've got uh, Ingram and CJ McCollum. And then Jackson Hayes playing beside JV. Jackson Hayes is like one of these. I, I would say he's a very poor man's Vando. He's it's a very different skill set, but he's freakishly athletic and not very bright in terms of how he does things. Yeah. But because Valentunas is so solid, it's all right. I mean, I mean. Jackson Hayes' mistakes, especially on defense, can usually be covered up um, because JV is is your kind of your stay-at-home guy. And Jackson Hayes is, is getting a regular role on a successful team right now, and it's doing wonders for him. I mean, that I do not want to play that team uh, with your back against the wall at home with everything to yeah. lose against a team that gives you trouble anyway and has nothing to lose. I mean, they've beaten the Wolves, you know, twice without C.J. McCollum on the floor. Uh, that's a bad... I was say, it's a very different team. Yeah, it's a like bad the, juju, man. Mm-hmm. Like if that is ultimately the matchup and we're trying to, like, go back and look at previous Wolves-Pelicans games, because, I mean, what, two, I think two of the four games... Two, two of the first four... Actually, they yeah. were still they were yeah. games two and three, I think, weren't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and and obviously that wasn't a good Pelicans team at that time. I think they started the year two and twelve or something. Exactly. So this is a very different. I think it was Pelicans even like team. eleven and twenty eight. I mean, it was something really yeah. bad. Yeah. No, they they were like out of it, out of it, and it looked like <laughs> the articles of Pelicans are going to move. They, you know, it's, it opens <laughs> right, up the right, whole right. Pandora's. So box they're playing there. with found money. And they're playing. I, I, I think they'll. I think they'll. I'm not too concerned about the Pelicans. <laughs> I, I, I like. I mean, I'm not like. Oh, the Wolves will win that for sure. Uh, but I don't know. I. What would make it harder is that would have lost some momentum of like, oh, let down. We lost the first playing game. But if I, if the Wolves are playing the Pelicans today, and even if it was in New Orleans, I think the Wolves would be the favorite in that matchup. In my mind, I picked the Wolves. And it I, won't be in New Orleans, obviously, but I'm just... You but know, I, you know could, I could make a really good... I, I guess I just did, as to why... Um, Wasn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I don't want to say I think yeah. the Pelicans will beat the Wolves, but if they pull what many people would regard as an upset, I will not be surprised. Hmm. Um, I think the Wolves have as much chance of losing to the Pelicans as they do of losing to the Clippers with Paul George. Ooh. Ooh. I do. Wow. I mean, I, I, I think the Wolves at home 
will be the favorite in both both games like and and should be like that's and and part of that is because i thought last night's game was very important from a from a getting right standpoint like that's what i've been talking about for the past few weeks is i'm like all right like you know the sixth seed is important but particularly after the boston loss and then you doubled that down with the toronto loss i was like you know what Kind of the seeding thing is not the most important thing, in my opinion. It's, That's right. By it's far. having a game where you, a couple of games, hopefully, where you get back right to what you were when you were at the patsy part of the the schedule a few weeks ago. Exactly. Like that this group and the personalities of this group and the people who lead this Timberwolves team, like that sort of emotional drain or high, it really seems to impact them. A lot more. So it's a double-edged sword, but it's, I thought that's why this, I didn't think that last night's game against Denver had lost value in it, or I, I think it was a huge game and it, and it didn't, even with the Wolves having lost the Celtics and Raptors, that almost made it bigger in my mind. It was a reset. You just can't lose. Yeah. And a reset at this time of the season is a blessing. I mean, yeah. Uh, especially on a team that hasn't won anything yet. I mean, at the end of the day, this team has not won anything yet. And so you can say, and I will say it, I've been defending this team all year, coming up with nothing anyway at the end of the day. A 45-win season out of this roster this season and the way they've done it uh, with that defensive surge and then that offensive uh, deal and the chemistry of everybody getting along and being able to go 10 deep and have everybody right. get along. I mean, it's been, it's been a gas. It's been a great thing. And if it all goes to hell in the next week and a half, at the end of the day, it's, you know, nobody's going to like it, but I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this season uh, as mm-hmm. is, however it goes down. And, but you know what, Britt? I don't think they are. Well, not yet. Believe I don't think they're okay with going out like that. Let's put it this way. At the end, it, let's just say theoretically they lose to the Clippers and they lose to the Pelicans. Can you really imagine Cat or somebody else at the microphone not saying what we did this year? I'm still proud of the guys. Ta-da, ta-da, ta-da. Yeah. Because what? What? it's true. I mean, uh, yeah, it, everybody should be greedy at this point. Why concede anything at this point? It was the same rationale I used when they were beating Patsies, and I said, let's enjoy the wave. Let's just think that they're really going to be good. Because why not? Why not revel in it? Why not invest yourself? I mean, I'm, I was talking uh, what I thought realistically about two very tough play-in opponents. But if you're a fan of this team, you're thinking, hey, you know, and, if, right. it, you know, we, we, we're five and six games ahead of these two teams. It doesn't matter. They have to reorganize their personnel. We've had our stable people all year. You know, we'll be all right. Same kind of thinking with the Denver game. You could argue after the Denver game, what a resilient team. They've been they've been thrashed four or five times this season. They've they've lost a series of games where you went, ooh, you know, this is gonna hurt them uh psychologically. 
And they responded with some very, very yeah. stirring wins. I mean, Jokic did play extremely well last night. It was a really interesting arena uh, last night to play. And Cat was fighting foul trouble all night. Uh, D'Lo was coming into the game stone cold and was stone cold himself for three quarters. I mean, there are all these things. It wasn't easy. And they won against a good team. Um, yeah. That is huge. That's a reset. And so I don't want to begrudge anybody's optimism. I just want to say that to me, the facts on the ground are that it's it's a it's an ominous plan. Is all I'm mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's a terrible setup. <laughs> I mean, it's bogus. <laughs> it's uh, it's bogus. Like, yeah, the... it should be that if you win six, I mean, seventh by like five games, eight, eight yeah. nine, and ten, have to figure it out. <laughs> it, it, seriously, uh, there, there should. But that's what when it was made. With the the COVID season, the the play in, right. it was okay. It'll be a play in if there's this boundary. For some reason, I can't pull the standings up on my phone right now. But I think the with the Wolves have the Lakers have 31 wins. So if you, there's no way you can convince me that it's a fair shake, that and not I'm not trying to be like a Wolves homer. I don't care who right, it is. Right, like, right. If it's the if it's the Nuggets in the seventh seed, if it's the Utah in the seventh seed, and somehow. The Lakers beat them in a one-off game. That's still stupid. It's still stupid. The gap of how good the Lakers were this regular season compared basically to all the teams who aren't taking in the West. Like, I don't know. I think I think it's stupid, and I think the NBA will love it if LeBron runs through those two. <laughs> and I think it's bullshit. Right. I no, mean, I agree. It, it, and it's, the same it's, will a, it's a really dumb thing. I mean, if if I don't know if you saw you know, Brooklyn's last few games, but they're learning how to lose themselves, you know? And so uh, th- they could be another team, both the Lakers and the Nets. Um, obviously of those three teams at the bottom of the East right now, um, Brooklyn has the easiest schedule, but I would argue they're playing the least effectively. I mean, Charlotte looks fabulous and yeah. Atlanta is looking pretty good right now. One of these weird addition by subtraction things. Who would have thought they'd be better without Collins? But that's yeah. really kind of been what's happened. Uh, so you know, I don't know. It's uh, on 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 what you say makes absolute sense. The Wolves have forty four wins. If the Lakers have thirty one, I don't care if they have thirty five. That's a nine win gap. You know, yeah. um, you can't. You shouldn't be able to overtake nine wins in one game. I mean, if you want to have an eight hot take, <laughs> I mean, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? There's uh, like, wow. a guy. It's, it's uh, I, I was talking about the play in with somebody uh, on Twitter the other day, and somebody in the comments section just chimed in. It was so funny. All he said was Clippers in one. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. <laughs> Which is it's just such a great, and that's unfortunately the truth, you know. I mean, this isn't March Madness. We that's why we don't do this college shit, you know. We we make people earn it, you know. But apparently not anymore. Used to, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, one thing I will say with the the Clippers too is their offense is awful, uh-huh, and right. and I obviously like Paul George boosts that. 
I think there's something like 26th on offense. They're an ISO team. Yeah. So so basically, even with Paul George, it's not going to – if they're going to beat the Wolves in that 7-8 playing game, it's not going to just be Paul George. It's going to be Paul George plus the surrounding players are hitting three, 40% of a high volume of threes. That I think that's what it will require because we know how the Wolves are going to guard them. Right. And and Paul George, he more like less so tries to find the roller guy and he tries to kind of split the pick and roll himself, get to the middle himself and like look for a jumper from mid range or he finds kind of the the guys around the perimeter. But it's still going to require a lot of the Clippers to win the game because I think even though the Clippers are a very good defensive team, I'd be surprised if the Wolves like laid an egg offensively in a one game play-in game, you know, to go because the Wolves rarely lay eggs, period. Right. Offensively. Right. Offensively. You know what I mean? That's definitely true. They they do lay eggs on defense, but I do think that what you have there is a situation where the Wolves don't respond well to great physicality. Finch has mentioned it over and over again for a reason. Uh, and and both the Clippers and the Pelicans have rattled the Wolves figuratively and literally. They, That's a good they point. get into the body against these guys. And that is where I expect very, very salty games in the play-in uh, involving the Wolves and not involving the Wolves. Because you've got, you know, it's always, it's like Dachshunds fighting, you know? I mean, that's more... Uh, frenzied than you know pit bulls sometimes because they're little and they're overcompensating. You know you've got these nine seeds and ten seeds. You know trying to trying to make the playoffs. You know and so you know it's this great spirit and you got Pat Bev who's not going to take any of that. You know mm. especially against his old team where he's still beloved. I mean the Clippers. Right. You talk to any Clippers fan about Pat Bev. It's like talking to the wolves about Pat Bev, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, they love him. And so that's going to be, and Pat Bev actually, I don't know if you know this, but he went when he w- was in LA for something, he went to a Clippers game and sat by them on the bench and everything. He loves those guys. Wore a Zubats jersey when you're sitting courtside. <laughs> right. uh, exactly. So, but at the same time, you know that, he, yeah. he likes to be able to say, I'm on winning teams in the playoffs. And I don't think the play-in counts. I think he he needs to keep that streak going by getting this right. team into the playoffs. So it's going to be salty. And that salty aspect is another unknown for the Wolves. Uh, on the other hand, if you ask me two months Man, ago, this is a salty Wolves team, though. It has become that- Right. Pat has I, spread I don't that. mind it. Obviously, I don't mind it because it has not been. Um, it's almost like uh, Pat Bev is, is you know, what, what is that stuff, that pink salt or whatever it is? You know, the stuff that's supposedly salt. better salt. No, 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 no. It's like, oh. like Himalayan salts or something, something to do with uh, gourmet salt. The saltiness of the wolves has gotten better is all oh. I'm saying. You know, Pat Bev is is. You know the, the the salt of like cat on Valachunas and the refs in the in the second Pelicans game. That's that's just like you know that's table salt in a diner. You know, but uh, 
but the Pat Bev kind of salt, you know, is mm-hmm. and 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 what is great is when um, when Pat Bev is is creating that particular environment, the team does have a different type of saltiness, which is the point of all this, of course, is that uh, they do have a level of swagger that doesn't feel bitchy. It feels like, all right, you want to play that way? Let's play that way, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's a big difference. And that's the kind of attitude. If you can get that kind of saltiness in the playoffs, you're much better off than just saying, hey, we're getting screwed here. And what was us? We should be able to get the next one, especially if I flop a little bit, you know? Right. They're they're maniacal at times. And then that's it. <laughs> there there was there is a there's a play, um, I think it was the third or fourth, where it, it finished in a big cat dunk and there was like Pat Bev was around him, and I think Ant was happened to be in the lane too, and and Cat gets the dunk and it's like all three guys just like explode into <laughs> celebrations, but independently, like none of them made any, I, no high five for Carl. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a shade. It's just like Pat Bev, Cat gets the dunk and Pat Bev cannot help, but like explode scream. And he's like, rather than high five and cat here, I'm going to go yell at that fan over there. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Uh, let me get one more break in here. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep rolling with this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, back again for a final segment here with Britt Robson of of MimPost. Britt, we've kind of Covered a little bit of of the the Nuggets game last night, the the play in standings set up. Uh, you wrote a column prior to the win, which had a a fair but a little bit more sour taste. I actually read it th- this morning, um, which provided kind of you know pr- provided like a I don't know like an before and test. after, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know where it's like okay. How much of what Britt is still saying holds up after the Nuggets game? And I do think 
I do think the three main things that you you labeled there as kind of the concerns, the concerns as as the playoffs come around, um, I think those things all hold up, and and we we can talk about. I do want to talk about all three of them, but I'll just I'll just read them off here first. You said one of the concerns is that the defense has has pretty clearly become a one trick pony coverage wise, even though they've they've tried to add different things. They're a one trick pony there. Uh, Number two, the big three has cooled um, in in recent weeks, at least as a collective group. Maybe not Carl, but as certainly as far as getting contributions from all three of them. And then the third part is the Wolves' injury luck has has kind of taken a somewhat of a dive here in in the past few weeks. So I'll let you pick which which one of those three you want to start with. Well, I mean, I put them in order because I think they that is the order in which I am most concerned. Um, okay. I worry, um, I, I understood why they began to change their defenses. You know, it was way back to you identified uh, Pat Bev talking about switching when you were in Chicago, and that was in mid-February. Um, yeah. And that's when we got a taste of, oh, they're not just occasionally throwing a zone in because they need to take a breath. They're beginning to really fundamentally change. Diversify. Low man, high wall, whatever you want to call it. Their bread and butter was an attack-based, um, low margin of error, but really personnel-friendly scheme, and right. it worked to you know I can't, you can't say perfection, but it worked so gloriously, far beyond what anybody would reasonably expect, uh, because it was new, because the players were discovering that they could be successful at it, which got you buy-in from Cat and Devo. And um, it just worked really well. And almost ever since they said, we're going to start to tinker a little bit, you began to see these wild uh, variations in effectiveness. Some games, they actually do the status quo very well. But every now and then, I mean, they'll throw in drop coverage against Potal in San Antonio or against Aiden yeah. in that Phoenix game. And you just say, they can't do that. Well, I mean... Yes. But 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 they're playing, uh, you know, let's say they're playing Phoenix and Aiden again on the first round, or let's say they're playing uh, Valachunas in, in the second playing game or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, if you're not going to do that, all right, how about switching? Well, I mean, in the playoffs, maybe not the play-in, maybe not a one-game series, but by the second or third game of the playoffs, if you need to, you've begun to learn how you could engineer switches so that you have the matchup you want. And for the Wolves, that means getting D'Lo on a guy who is very resourceful as a scorer. That's what I was totally going to say, man. That's that's the the most individual distinction when we talk about scheme to scheme is particularly back in the beginning of the year when the high wall, low man concept was – was driving Timberwolves basketball, exactly. as, as they call Can't it. I mean, part of his it. identity, yeah, right. Yeah, and and honestly, like, I found it, when things were rolling defensively, I found it really fun to go back and watch defensive clips and just watch D'Lo. Like, nobody in the NBA, nobody <laughs> played more free safety <laughs> than D'Angelo Russell did for the first four and or five games of the season. And effectively, yeah, hell yeah. And But the thing is, is if you're playing is if you're playing drop, you, you, you're not going to, you don't have the freedom to be able to do that. Actually, 
that actually puts a lot of responsibility on on D'Lo to be, you know, the tag man and physical in that sort of way, which just isn't a a strength of his. And then switching. I mean, if you're coming out with a switch concept in a a playoff series, it's going to be Luca point at whoever D'Lo's guarding. Come screen for me. Let's go. You know, and and so so you can't like it. And it's somewhat opponent based. But that's why D'Lo struggles in those two. This the one he's second best at. And why I think it's zone. the Wolf's second best defense right now is zone because right. everyone's a free safety. You know, right. that's right. what D'Lo's good at defensively. Right. It's it's the only thing he's really good at. But if you're gonna think you're gonna win a playoff series playing zone, I don't, has it ever happened before? I mean, I don't uh, know. You know, the Mavs got close last year when they went. Uh, oh, right, they went right. Boban, Boban, yeah. and Kristaps and two, <laughs> yeah, three. Remember two that? guys, right? Yeah, that, that, God, that, I love that, that series. Fifteen foot front court. <laughs> Between Boban that was awesome. and Kristaps, right? That was seven, awesome. Six and seven, four, or whatever. Boban played more minutes in the playoffs, I think, than he did in the regular season. Uh, but was, no, that, it, was, that was a lot of fun. They they played zone really well last night, though. The Wolves did. They did, and and, and you know why? Good. If you can contest, they contested very well. Their contest against Toronto, and and part of that was because. They didn't know. I mean, yeah. the great thing about Toronto, in fact, I saw Toronto's box score last night. I don't know who they beat, but they're, of their five starters, the range between the five starters was 14 points to 19 points. I mean, that's just, you can't play a zone against a team that doesn't have a go-to shooter that you've kind of got half in your mind. All right, mm-hmm. you know, when that guy catches a ball, we fly at him, you know, mm-hmm. um, Toronto. Okay. Maybe it's Trent, but Trent could pass over, to, you know, three other guys, Siakam, Barnes, you know, all these guys right. can put it on the deck, do what they want to do. Um, so, yeah, I think that against the Nuggets, the guy you needed to pay attention to was Jokic and Jokic <laughs> was the guy and he doesn't shoot threes. So the zone is kind of perfect there. In yeah. terms of, you know, you, you take care of Jokic when he's inside the arc and then whoever he passes to, you fly at him, you know, and then you mm-hmm. fly at the next guy and fly at the next guy because they're not, you know, really great shooters on their own. So yeah, you run Monte Morris off the line. I mean, oh, good. Like coming, coming into attack. Exactly. We're in zone, you know, come to the rim. Like exactly. that, that is. Yeah, I, I, I do think they'll be able to play at the playoffs. I mean, not not as a bread and butter, but I think we'll see a lot of teams play zone in the in the playoffs, or more than we have before. Maybe not a lot, but you know, there's been but more I, of it this I, year. I, I think across I the league, think it's still really hard not to imagine it to be anything other than a placeholder, though. To you know, to hope <laughs> that you can do your shit at the other end, so well, that you survive the zone moments. You know, you also you also can't talk shit about the other team's center not guarding cat. <laughs> If you're going to come out on the other side of the floor and play zone, you know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. It's, I mean, part of the playoffs is just, it's just, it's about individual challenges, winning your individual matchup. Right. I mean, that, that's, and that's forcing, so much of it. Forcing an adjustment as a result. Yeah. I mean, if you can win it enough to flip the dynamic, yeah. then you, you, you've got some value. And, and to be honest with you, that, you know, it kind of resurrects something we just talked about a minute ago. Vando and Prince both have the ability to tilt things in a new direction. We have no idea whether it would be a really good direction or a really bad <laughs> direction because they're not stars. 
but they're distinctive and their presence changes things. Yeah. So that um, if Prince gives you the benefits of Prince being on the court in a major way, that may flip some matchups. Same thing with Vando. If Vando yeah. suddenly becomes very effective at what he does, and of course that is why all basketball freaks who aren't just you know looking at the scoreboard uh, love the playoffs because it it's it's a you know ever evolving chess match you know right. possession to possession and game to game and it matchup to matchup and so yeah I. I I understand what you're saying about the zone, but that's my point. Getting back to my column, yeah. um, if zone is your second best defense, <laughs> oh my God, you know, I mean, and and the fact of the matter is, is that you still have only one pony, <laughs> and and we yeah. don't really know whether yeah. other teams. If if you have a let's say you have Phoenix, you have Chris Paul, Devin Booker figuring out the high wall. That's death. You know, I mean, I know. I mean, I don't think they, I think they don't have anything for the Suns. I think <laughs> I, I just like. That's exactly right. I mean, it. it they, and I'm not because, sure many other teams do to either. No, no, no. Yeah. It's really not, it's not, <laughs> yeah. Because Chris Paul, like, I mean, he, he, he will publicly stated. He will laugh. He has laughed. He has laughed like on the record about how often teams play drop against him. So if he, if Cat's going to play drop, he'll go, okay. Here, I'll, I, really I can make 50% of it. Right. Yeah. Or here we go. I'm not going to take it this time. Here comes Booker. You're going <laughs> to, you're going to come in and show. Okay. Well, now we got Cam Johnson in the right. corner. Like, it, yeah. And if you're the scrambling, old- if you're scrambling, he's just going to wait for Vando to clear and then hit Vando's man, you know? Yeah. He, he knows all the machinations of right. Right. what, how, how this is going to work. And, and it's not just Chris Paul. We've seen Trey Young do that against the right. Wolves. We saw Luca right. do it. Right. Once they went away from drop against them, I mean, that the is difference. What they are of course, is they do have Booker, who is like right. so good, <laughs> so good. <laughs> good, good analysis. <laughs> I mean, he's just—he is—he is someone to be feared in the fourth quarter. Now, I mean, if if you need a bucket when you you know, yeah, he's going to become my prediction. For the playoffs is that everybody will re-remember again how good Devin Booker was in the last playoffs. And um, you know, he he's going to like Luca. Luca and Booker are the two guys I think are just gonna be yeah. People forget, you know, it's like Dame Lillard uh plays a regular season, everybody says, Yeah, he's great, he's great. But then he gets into the playoffs, you go, Oh yeah, man, that dude when it <laughs> matters, that guy is right. really good. That's going to be Booker, and that's going to be Luca. Right. Um, let's move on to your second concern, which yeah. is the big three, uh, a lesser big three, as yeah. you put it. Well, and some of that is Cat has become first among equals in a major way. Uh, he has clearly become the dominant one, and then there is the semi-big two. And that has forced Delo and Ant to kind of reorganize their prioritization and their way of playing. Everybody has to adjust to the fact that Cat, if you're not feeding Cat in many, many different ways, you're not playing the best way on offense. Well, for somebody like Delo, 
who really enjoyed being the dictator for the first month or two of the offense this year, um, then that's an adjustment. If your aunt who, um, after having a year of saying, hey, you know, I'm just a rookie here, had begun to show signs that, hey, I'm going to flex. And, you know, this may be my team sooner than later. Uh, uh, Oh, not really. You know, you've got this guy who's having a career year. So those adjustments are psychological. And then on top of that, you have Ant's pain in his knee and D'Lo clanking at the time I wrote the piece anyway. He had a fabulous first quarter. But, and when... D'Lo isn't scoring and Ant is in pain. Teams can all the more load up on Cat. And what we've seen, this is a pattern now. I mean, it's a very clear-cut pattern. Cat goes off in the first quarter despite whatever anybody's throwing at him. But they wear him out. They get chippy with him. Um they and part of that's the, the Wolves defensive scheme, too. I mean, I think Cat has been really in shape this year and been able to handle right. the aggressive defensive scheme and get up to the level and recover and all that. Good. But we're point. talking a very good point. Yeah. It's, he wears it's out a because it, they, a they rely on him a lot in on defense. And so Can you imagine if it was Cat two years ago in the shape that he was in, oh. no shot he could be doing this. They no wouldn't win a game, right? They, I mean, it would just be a horrible. But that, that is an excellent point. I wish I had thought of it when I was writing that particular section of the column, because what we noticed from Cat is that because he gets tired, in addition to the fact that he gets mentally besieged yeah. by this. I was going to say, it's he, that too. Probably more he, than that. He starts to have, commit offensive fouls and make stupid turnovers. And and as soon as Cat, I tweeted this last night, and I firmly believe it, Cat in foul trouble is the biggest danger to this team not getting out of the play-in. I mean, that is how a Clippers team or a Pelicans team will beat the Wolves most easily, is if all of a sudden Cats got three fouls in the first quarter, the Wolves' odds of winning go way down. I think it's also the biggest concern for my mental health. I'm so <laughs> sick of it. It's like... It's and I don't even Because a lot of them even, are chintzy fouls, let's face it. It's just like, and and I'm not, whatever you want to think about it, whether it's, you know, Cat being a bad whistle or if you think it's a chronic problem, I think it's both. But this, it's just like, it's it's really old. It's just really old. It Like, I, honestly, I mean, how awesome has Cat played in like 10 of the last 20 games? Like, excellent games. And if almost yes, every single one of those string his first games, quarters together for like the last seven games or something. And it will dude, be like an all-star. Even the 60-point game. Even yeah. the 60 point game, he was in foul trouble. He right. got pulled two right. different times for like an extended stretch of minutes because he was in foul. I mean, it's like, I, I guess the, the glass looking at it very half full is like, if that is ever resolved, which I'm not banking on, right? The, that, that is the, the next level for cat. Like that, that hints at a, a, and he's already at a really high ceiling right now, but. I mean, it, because it's not just the minutes he's off the floor and now you're replacing him with with Nas Reed or, you know, which is obviously a drop off there. It's he gets out of his rhythm. I mean, he right. gets out of his rhythm. He gets right. 16 points in the first, you know, nine minutes of the game and they picks up his second foul and he's, you know, he's got to come out. It was looking like 
it was looking like he might have like 25 in that first quarter last night. Right. And and so that's like it's like in these moments where the Wolves can maybe extend a lead from 10 to 16. That's when it feels like the foul trouble hits and you're like, OK, like hope. Hope Nas is making the shrug threes, you know, like it's, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I I don't know if there's any, anything ever that I've been more frustrated with just, just watching the games because it, it sucks the fun out of it too. It really does. Right. And, and so you want D'Lo and or Ant to make up that gap. Well, last night, you know, lo and behold, it did happen. I mean, D'Lo yeah. was great in the first quarter. And uh, and then Ant, who wasn't playing that badly, he just couldn't score. Um, yeah. All of a sudden, buries things in the fourth quarter. That's the template, I will tell you. If they can baton pass uh, and, and they can stitch together enough uh, alpha star offense uh, when Cat is waylaid then this could be a really formidable team or... and it doesn't have to be for four quarters Britt. like exactly like that, that's exactly. okay that's enough like delo do having a big first half and doing nothing in the second half is okay provided ant does something in the second and half provided well. your bench happened. can hold serve right and that's exactly true. that's and, the and, third leg of it and, and but and and we have should have come to expect that now i mean a bench very rarely lays a really bad egg, especially when Beasley's in the rotation. So, um, you know, and by the way, he looked fine last night. Um, Mm -hmm. If only McDaniels could come back in that semblance of shape. um, Well, that brings us to point three. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good job. Um, I've got this little sheet of paper with notes on it. (laughs) Not only is the have the Wolves had unfortunate injury luck on their own roster, but suddenly Paul George is in the play-in. And, yeah. uh, and it, you know, it isn't quite the same, but New Orleans uh, has a, a new team because of their acquisitions. It's been, for all the season, people who want to be cynical about the Wolves would say, yeah, well, who have they played? You know, look at all the teams they played that have had missing people. Um, yeah, hand raised. Yeah, and, and so... <laughs> There you go. I mean, they've had incredibly good injury luck in terms of being almost exclusively healthy aside from Omicron. Right. Um, but other while other teams struggled, and now all of a sudden, you know, first McDaniels and Beasley out, um, you know, yeah, granted. And, 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 and I think being, I would say, 60% of what we've seen from vintage ant in January and February. Uh, uh, not 60% physically, 60% in terms of production. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, you, it's you both. Yeah. And, but you know, it's really hard to put a, a percentage on. Right. Um, no, that's just my opinion. That's yeah. My opinion. No, I get it. Um, I don't know, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, what we can safely say is that he is not, the threat to embarrass people at the rim right now. And sometimes in the NBA, avoiding embarrassment does create different attention to people. And Brit, do you do you feel like 
because he, he was talking last night about how teams and, and he's been saying this for a few months of like loaded up on him and i disagree face him. i don't i see do it. too I, I don't know. Well, that's I what, think have you gone bullshit. back and watched last night's game yet? I, I haven't. I haven't no, really I haven't. But it. I, I mean, yeah. I watched a lot of them when I wrote that column uh, a week yeah. or two ago about Ant and his injury. Ant stands in the corner and doesn't move, and they only need one guy. And they're not going to put two guys on Ant when he's not moving and he's hanging out in the yeah. corner. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do think that when Ant tries to run the pick and roll, um, as long as it's not Cat setting the pick. Um, they oftentimes they will double the double the you know the role man. I mean the uh, him the ball handler. Ball handler, yeah, yeah. They'll they'll double him when he's handling the ball. Um, and I do think that they pay attention to him. Um, but you see the way they guard Cat. You see the way they yeah. guard Ant. You can't tell me no. that yeah. it's it's you know, at all equitable. I mean you know. Mm-hmm. Cat is getting swarmed. Uh, mm. I will say that when Ant looks like he's in trouble on the dribble, especially last night against uh, the Nuggets, you saw this, when he looked like he was beginning to literally dribble himself into a corner, there was another Nugget who went for the trap. Um, mm. And maybe that's what he's talking about. There were a couple of times where they tried to trap him into turnovers. But they yeah, but they not, run an aggressive scheme. I mean, they run the same thing the Wolves do. Exactly. But they are not scheming to double Ant on the perimeter. Um, it just doesn't Yeah, it's, it's a load up. It, 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 honestly, it, when Pat Bev was, t- well, Ant talked about how Pat Bev told him, this is how you're going to be guarded in the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. And then Pat Bev came out and, and he talked. And what he said was, he goes, I told Ant he needed to start attacking from the slots rather than from the top of the key. <laughs> Very different. And, and, I'm not saying I'm right here. Right. Pat has a much better bet. But for me, in my mind, when I think about it, when Ant is lining up in the slot looking to attack, then what you see is the weak side defender come all the way over to the strong to Ant's side on that block there. And so now he's got to beat his guy from the slot. But there's also going to be another guy at the rim or at the block there every time. So I actually feel like I like when Ant is tacking straight on from from their mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. the problem is is what i when ant is attacking straight on if i was coaching against him i would play drop there and try and force him into taking those 15 footers to taking or, away the, the rim to do that and i also think i don't know whether this is the foot or whatever he's been a lot more turnover prone off the dribble lately um teams yeah. are, are reaching in and getting you know they're rocoing and uh pat beving him uh in terms of just he can't, you know, he can't complete the dribble in traffic as well as he was before. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's part of it. It is different. Um, and what, what Ant said, he goes, well, last year I would just come down the floor and I could walk into a pull up three. Like, you know, people wouldn't be up on me there. You know, I could isolate. And it's it's one guy. And so to some extent, he, that's he, he's he couldn't right. shoot the three. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. It's I mean, just, people put different. out a red carpet mm-hmm. when he did that, you know. Right. Go right. shoot that three, Ant. What'd you make? Like 32% last year? Right. Yeah. Well, particularly you know? at the, the first half of the season, it was teams literally wanted him to do that. And now, if you don't see the scouting report or even just look at the analytics on how Ant is getting his points the last mm-hmm. month of the season, um, he is getting vast majority of his points from outside. 
So yeah, I would crowd them. Um, and if I'm still waiting for Ant to thread his way through three people and slam over somebody else. I haven't seen that Ant mm -hmm. since the All-Star break at, at at least, you know. I mean, yeah, he had that one nice dunk against Toronto in the first quarter, but that was that was off of a pat, like it's kind of like a give and it's go a type cut. Of thing with when pass. he's yeah. cutting, you know, yeah, yeah that that'll work. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't. I mean, I don't want to rip Ant because what's crazy is, first of all, he's twenty years old, always the usual caveat. But secondly, he plays more minutes than anybody on the team, and his net rating is solid. Whatever he's doing out there is is a positive thing, whatever he's doing. And mm -hmm. so I don't pretend to know enough about all aspects of the game to figure out why. I do think he magnetizes at least one man and has another man thinking about him wherever he is. But I also don't think that um, he gets nearly as much attention as the focal point of the offense as Cat mm -hmm. does. And nor should he. I, part of the net rating always being good and all of that is that he plays 75% of his minutes with Cat. Uh-huh. You know, which is, and that's just been the, the plan this year. And we've talked about it, like right. going with the idea of, are you ever going to maybe switch the rotation up where it's rather than you know, D'Lo plays with the second unit, maybe it's Ant. And I've always been really, I've been intrigued by that idea over the course of time. They haven't, they haven't leaned into that much at all. Uh, I mean, rare instance. I'm always like, "Ooh, it's, it's Ant with the with the bench guys." When that and I actually happened a right, little bit last right. night, but um, I think I think that's probably the next progression for him is proof that he can be similarly impactful on the game when he's on the floor without Carl, mm -hmm. and and maybe that's not a that won't be a playoffs thing or whatever. They'll be on the floor together a ton. Everybody, the, all the starters will be on the floor a ton, right. but. That that's kind of the that's kind of the next level. And I won't give him a ton of credit for having a great net rating this year, because if we just look at the driving statistical factors about a lot of different players mm -hmm. is their net ratings are always driven up by their time that they they share the floor with cat. It's why Nas Reed consistently has one of the worst net ratings on the team. And I would agree with all that with the one caveat that his defense is good. Um, and I think True. that good point. that isn't necessarily cat related. I think the offense is definitely cat related and it's crazy, but Ant's defense has been as impactful as his offense lately. Uh, and not just the high profile assignments on the team's best player. Um, and he, as always, I mean, this has been true of him throughout his career thus far as getting better, but he, he comes and goes on defense. Sometimes he's bad. Uh, the other night, there were two plays in like a span of about four minutes of the game where he lost the peripheral vision on a cutter. And, you know, somebody just got right behind him and went in. Mm -hmm. I think that play where out of the timeout, Will Barton drove the length of the court and made a layup. I think that was Ant or D'Lo. They looked at each other as yeah. – the guy was cruising by. Um, so, but I no, do. Ant, Ant is incredible in one-on-one -on -one situations when he's locked. Incredible yeah. when he's locked in and nobody's screening. That's right. He is. He is. That, that's a really good way to put it. And 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 that happens not that frequently, but it also 
are statement possessions. So they mm-hmm. are important possessions. It's not like, you know, right. all right, we'll put this guy on an island with your best score and see what you can do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's that gives a defense confidence when that works. So I give him credit for that. But you're but right. Can I mean, he be that? Can he be that? Well, also when he's not on ball, the active player that's picking off passes and generating turnovers in that way, because those are also right. high profile, and, and that, that's high what, leverage plays. And that's what Finch seeks to speak into existence. He talks about it all the time yeah. about, you know, he has the potential to be yada, yada, yada. Um, it's almost like the reverse of the Kawhi development arc. You know, Kawhi, <laughs> yeah. Kawhi did the defense and everyone, well, what, you know, what if he did this? Well, you mm-hmm. know. And then lo and behold, Kawhi all of a sudden was absolutely deadly from mid-range, you know. Um, if if Ant can show signs of being a good defender and then all of a sudden take the next step into being a pretty comprehensive defender, um, or, you know, to pick another cop, Paul George, uh, yeah. who, you know, rose and rose as a defender, uh, even after losing... Uh, uh, Roy Hibbert in Indiana and he became a, a really good on-ball but then off-ball defender. I think there are definitely templates for how Ant can be different um, in terms of growing. Um, and the playoffs are going to contribute to that growth. And also, that is a huge X factor. I mean, yeah. for those who you know, go to bed dreaming about the Timberwolves just stealing a first round series and going crazy is has to almost certainly be a part of yeah. that scenario. Because if Ant can give you 42 games out of six or seven, uh, things change, you know. They don't right. lose that... ma- they don't lose many games when Ant gets 40. And I think even the first like one game or two games into the playoff series whoever it's against he is going to realize the value of defense really being more important than in your everyday regular right. season game. i hope so that would re- that would really please me that would be i mean i always say that Ann is much more of a student of the game and coachable and all that other stuff but at the same time i never expect him to deliver on it as that capably but if he does, if Ann improves his on off-ball defense and goes with the scheme, whether it's high wall, zone, switch, whatever, if he plays that diligently, that almost as much as a 40-point game will be an extremely yeah. positive development for this team. Maybe the way to put it is that maybe it won't be the first two games, but I think for sure leaving the playoffs this year, he will go, there will be an aha defensive moment. And and he knows at the same time, he goes, well, I can do that. Like I, right. I can do <laughs> right, that. I right. just, I just, I, now I know I got to do it. Right. You know? And that's, that's the, and uh, come October, my foot is better. It's my third year, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, for those of you who are just going to be, you know, pissed off if the wolves get waxed in four games against Phoenix or, even right. lose these two games, playing games, any of these kinds of high, even the games that we're playing now, the, the, the Wolves are playing now, are sure. they're leveraged lesson games and um, lessons are being learned. And Cat and Dilo won't admit it, 
but they're learning lessons now too and 100% you know they are not used to being the clear cut guys who have the weight of the team on their shoulders you know yeah when cat had high leverage games it was jimmy and tibbs and taj and derrick rose it was the whole chicago crew uh, they wouldn't let him be a high leverage guy um and so you're going to have a new experience for him. D'Lo, yeah, he got a taste of it in Brooklyn and that weird kind of team that didn't really have a, a star per se. He may have been first among quasi-equals, but they weren't going anywhere that year anyway. Um, so anyway, I, I do think that all three of them are going to get a good taste of this. And, and you know, let's face it. They, one thing they have done is they've kept the six seed in the balance for another yeah. two or two or three games. And they have uh, demonstrated that they remain a resilient team and they still have some great personalities and, and coming off that, yeah. you know, that Friday night win against Denver for those who, and I'm one of them who say, you know, they've been, they've been thrashed by certain teams they have a lot of good signature wins on their belt when you look at, you know, the schedule. Mm -hmm. um, and some of them, yeah, are strip mine because of injuries. But, you know, some of them are not. And it's, it's not only have they beaten the teams they're supposed to beat, but they have been competitive against teams that right. they need to be competitive with. So it's a good sign. It is. We're uh, we're 10 days away from the beginning of the play-in, and I think that means like 12, 13 days away from the actual start of, of the playoffs. Um, things to still be ironed out, uh, not just with right. the Wolves, kind of around the league. The West is like, I don't choose your own adventure. <laughs> like, the are you on a picture stuff. of the... Oh, yeah, the like, stuff, who's going to... You know. Dallas is up at the three. Not, I mean, it's it's just... Uh, yeah. It, Dallas it's is dangerous. It's, it's, it's keeping us engaged and like the matchups are going to be huge because a lot of outside of Phoenix, there's a lot of parody. I mean, and not shade at Memphis, but you know how I feel like that right, right. they're young and I think they're susceptible to at least lose a couple games in the first round. There's a lot of parody two through seven. I think I agree. Maybe eight, maybe eight with, with Paul George in the mix. And a Luka Jokic first round series, three, six, would be a lot of fun, especially if, if Denver can, you know, it doesn't sound like Murray will be back. Um, and Porter is not all that, in my opinion, but um, I, I, I would suspect Dallas would win that game, but I love the idea of Jokic trying to elevate here in the playoffs, this, this yeah. particular thing. And then, you know, who knows what kind of Utah team we have, uh, <laughs> You know, who knows what kind of Clipper team we have if they manage to get in. But they all got upside. Yeah. They all like if it's good Utah, like I mean, that's that's a that's a hell of a team. Exactly. We've seen the Clippers be a be a hell of a team. I mean, look at the exactly. playoffs last year with, with, with that group. Plus like Covington, eleven made threes last night, forty three point. Like they got <laughs> some interesting pieces. Right now, some of that is this is what happens when you don't play Brooke Lopez, nor Giannis, nor Holiday. Nor middle, nor middle. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you don't have yeah. any of your four best defenders on the floor, and Rocco was hot from outside. But right. you know, all that said, um, 
and you know, 153 points is a lot of points. And the Clippers had to feel good about that. Um, oh, they're moving in the right direction. And, and bad news for the Wolves. And I, I'll tell you, watch some Pelicans games. I know you're an NBA. You love to dabble in. And I know that they Wolves won't play them mm-hmm. unless it's do or die. So you probably won't see a lot of them. But when I have tripped over their games, uh, and then for some odd reason, I think the way they played the other night, I can't even remember who the opponent was, but I said, Jackson Hayes next to Jonas Valanciunas. Man, how long has this been going on? And I look back, oh, that, wow. that, that starting unit is 7-2. and two. And uh, so I started to look at some other games where they played well, and I just went, whoa, you know, they've, they, they've hit on something here. Um, and I thought, that's, you know... Jackson Hayes and, and Jared Vanderbilt, I have no idea how that matchup would ever It transpire. ends in an injury. That for sure ends in an injury one way or the other. But it's one of those things where you go, whoa, you know I mean? Right. Who knows how that's going to work out. Meanwhile, Valentinus and Cat is slugging it out right next to them. So <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it, it's, it's just so much fun. You know, it's April 2nd, and we're talking yeah. meaningfully uh, Wolves basketball. And so... And you and I are going to be going on the road. We just, I hope to God it's not Golden State, man. That's all I know because it will be so You don't want to go to the Bay? So expensive. I mean, can you imagine flying to San Francisco and then three days of hotel on our own dime? I mean. And then back to San Francisco if you go to five too. That's right. Oh, yeah. I mean, there you go. I mean, you know, a little $3,000 hit to – cover the playoffs yeah it'll be fun though it'll be it will. it'll be it will. fun I'm, I'm i'm looking i'm looking and outside of the wolves too i'm just i'm looking forward to the oh yeah you know, i mean the it's, whole playoffs yeah it's gonna and actually you know now um i think it's isn't it like uh brooklyn and atlanta today i mean there's already some games going on right now um, yeah i think there's a game at like six i think brooklyn plays atlanta in atlanta and they're tied Trey got I hurt mean, last night, though. Oh shit! Is that right? Is yeah. he out? I just saw that on Twitter. I don't. He. Like, I did left not the know game. that. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. yeah. That's so, that's a shame. Well, again, ten out, days. You know? Ten days till the I'm play, and we don't know the Lakers. You know me. I just don't I like know. the super teams. <laughs> you you stay steadfast to that. Um, I don't know. Look out for Brooklyn. I'm not concerned <laughs> about the Lakers, but but Brooklyn is. KD, man, it's it's KD is, is is special right now. But all right, Brett, we're up at like an hour and a half. So uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for doing this. Everybody go check out uh, Britt's piece uh, up at mimpost.com right now. It uh, it's a good uh, it's a good shadow of the of the high. I think that the that the Wolves are coming off of with the with the Denver win. They're moving in the right direction. They got some things to still kind of iron out figure out in terms of those injuries too. like, let's see about Jaden. Um, we got a lot to learn still in these, in these next 10 days. And, uh, I'm excited to watch it. Excited to talk to you about it. And, uh, well, yeah, thanks for doing it. Hey, my pleasure. All right. He's Britt. Follow him on Twitter at Britt Robson. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. And I will talk to you tomorrow night after the Houston game. Till then. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah